Welcome back to the Over Heaven Podcast. My name is Matthew Walsh, and I am joined today with these very special guest, Anthony. Hello. So today we're going to be covering episode three of Stone Ocean. Anthony, what is your experience with, with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? So I've kind of observed JoJo's Bizarre Adventure from the sidelines. Mm. When I was younger, I would occasionally see it mentioned in like manga, because I used to read Shonen Jump when I was younger and stuff, and that would be featured... I think. And I've always just been kind of aware of it. With the rise of internet culture, I've seen it's really been adapted to a lot of memes. And <laughs> a lot of video games also tend to cross over into it. For example, Warframe, which I play a lot of. A lot of people there also like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, including their community team. So you'll see them stream something and somebody in the comments is like, oh, their loadout name references is a JoJo reference, or is that a JoJo reference? And the stream manager laughs or whatever. And in Deep Rock Galactic, there's a <laughs> crew of JoJo fans as well. I sent you that subreddit. It's really bizarre to see, but very wholesome. Um, but I've yeah. never actually watched it or read it. So this is my first foray into the series. So I, I think I've talked about it a little bit before, where not only does JoJo reference a lot of outside things, but where a lot of other things, because JoJo is so all over the place, that it is referenced a lot. At the same time, too, I think that JoJo fans come in a spectrum. And on one end, there is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is this absolute masterclass of writing. And everything has seven layers of meaning. And I graduated from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure University with my degree and if you aren't getting it on a fourth dimensional level then you aren't enjoying it right and then there are the people that it's like that are like nah it's just all memes and it's all just stupid nothing means anything let's just make a meme out of everything and i think a good fan falls somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. but yeah it, it is it is so bizarre that it gets all of these people together to i, I guess just really be able to sit back and be like what the fuck is going on and and is that a reference to this? Because it is so fucking weird. You know, it's funny. When you said that there are seven layers of meaning, I was like, oh, wait a minute. They keep saying the number seven in the show. Is that a meta reference? Are we meta referencing the show on our pod about the show? And then there, and then of course you have everybody like, not only is that a JoJo reference, but people like, oh, I hate JoJo. So people making jokes about people <laughs> hating JoJo references like, for example, maybe someone's ability is called the world, and then it's like when people leave the planet, or when people leave the Earth because the world is a JoJo reference, and then they find <laughs> out that drifting in space is also a JoJo reference. And it's like, because so much weird shit fucking happens in the series. Yeah, I've seen that so far. Just three episodes in. Yeah, yeah. This, and and uh, do, you know, do you know anything about the series itself? So... I had a little bit of context that you provided from the uh, start of the pod, and that definitely helped kind of shape my understanding of the story going into it. But aside from that, I went in completely unexposed to it. Okay. So things like, you know, when, and of course we'll be spoiling stuff that has happened this episode, when Jotaro stops time, it wasn't like, whoa, this is out of the blue. It was like, okay, that was kind of mentioned by Matt. That that yes. was a thing that he can do. 
but it was still really freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm. I wanted to also ask you because I don't. I don't know how much anime you happen to watch, but I do think that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has a very unique style as far as its art and animation goes. And I was curious of your thoughts on that as well. So I love the art and animation style. It's really beautiful buff people (laughs) (laughs) which is just kind of fun to look at you know um yeah i mean i've read bleach and naruto of course i've watched my hero academia and this definitely stands out as just having like kind of a more classic style i guess the water looks freaking delicious (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's fucking good but yeah i really like the style they play a lot with color and I noticed that in the intro as well. I love the intro. It is so cool to watch. I never skip it. That was my next question. Mm, it's 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 really fucking good. A lot of the intros for, for any of the parts are really good. But uh, part six, it brought back the CGI from a lot of previous intros. And it, it kind of meshes the 3D and 2D together a lot. And it is very funny to talk about how a lot of other... I'll try not to repeat myself too much that I have in some other episodes, but a lot of other anime being like, ah, 3D in my anime? I hate it. And then JoJo's (laughs) JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fans being like, the 3D is back! Let's go! It's cool because I think that they combine the 3D with some, like, unconventional, like, camera work. So Mm. it doesn't feel like 3D in a space that you normally know it. It's kind of like you're zooming around a diorama, almost, which I think makes it feel more unique. I think so too. So I was actually, I was going to ask you about the intro and then, um, I, I do think right now in this state of just the 12 episodes, the outro, there's not too much going on other than the beach. And I think you said yourself too, that the water just looks delicious. Yes. Like it looks so fucking good. So the outro Netflix only lets you see like about a second of it before it starts to autoplay the next episode. So I just watched it before the pod on YouTube. Um, and I think it's really good, too. The, like, visual effects that they add to show, like, outside and how beautiful it looks, I find that really appealing. Kind of like how sometimes just, like, anime backgrounds without any characters make really good desktop wallpapers. There were several points in the series so far, including the beach outro, where I was like, wow, that would be amazing to have. And I think that the outro is just kind of nice. It's a nice way to close off an otherwise really hectic episode, as they all have been so far. Yeah, the, the show's been fucking beautiful. So to jump into the the episode itself, actually before this episode, because I know that you actually watched the first two episodes. How uh, how was how has your watching experience been? The watching experience has been, I guess, kind of. The show feels like it's made for people who already kind of know what JoJo is. There's a lot that isn't really explained or it's kind of like assume that you already know why it's significant. So I'm grateful that you gave some context to a lot of the things because it did make it a bit smoother to kind of watch it. The show has been equal parts funny and absurd and also (laughs) dramatic is how I'd put it. The prison warden of Green Dolphin looks like a dolphin, which is freaking hilarious. Um, (laughs) Their understanding of the U.S. prison system seems to be a little bit flawed, but I'm here for it. Oh, in in what sense? They are like, 
Okay, so the guards are brutal and are there to humiliate people. And they're like, this is how we do it. You got to break them down and humiliate them. And I'm like, wow, that's right. That's 100% accurate. But they're like, you can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you don't share stuff with other prisoners. That part, I feel like that would that's probably how other countries think we should do it. But it's not how we do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's funny, but it makes for better TV, I guess, uh, than the reality of it. So that's what it is. The lady with Cry Cry Doll, really mm-hmm. entertaining character. Cry Cry Doll freaked me the hell out. <laughs> and seeing it get punched was one of the most rewarding things uh, in the show so far. Good. I'm, re- I'm really glad you had that cathartic experience. <laughs> that way. We- I think JoJo usually does a very good job of like, uh, get this thing away from me, or I hate this character, please, and then having the character that we like come in and be like, being that retribution and that justice. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll look forward to that then. And in your experience of the first three episodes, did you watch the sub or the dub? I watched the dub. Okay. How, how, is, how has that been? Because I've, I've been able to, everybody so far has watched the dub, and that has been, the dub has been an experience. So the voice acting quality is kind of like all over the place. Like sometimes the voice acting is really not great. And other times it's actually pretty good. But what I do is I watch it with closed captioning because I feel like sometimes the closed captioning is more accurate to what they originally meant to say. Mm -hmm. So conversations are also sometimes subtly different between the two. Yeah. So the dub's been good so far. I feel like it makes it a little bit of an easier watching experience when you can, like, verbally understand what's going on. But I do understand that some people prefer, like, the original voice acting as it's more true to what this show is. I think I think I like it in the Japanese just because that's, I think, just what I'm used to watching with a lot of anime and JoJo. But I think the dub is in a weird place that a lot of dubs usually are, where the voice acting is very good. But for some reason, the writing and the translation and the script just seems very weird in places. You know what I mean? Yeah, where it has sometimes like that. They, they say something ridiculous that takes me out of it for a moment. Yeah, the phrasing and like the um, the words that they use, the phrases that they use is just... It's not something that you typically hear somebody say. Yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have I have a couple of those here because I try to watch all of the versions, and sometimes the dub says something very weird in a way that just grabs my attention, and <laughs> it, it it can pull me out of the scene, but it also it makes it so like iconic. But yeah, uh, to jump into the episode itself, we have. The first scene where Jolene is, and I'm going to actually, I'm going to re-explain for a moment. So a lot of the abilities in Jojo and a lot of even some of the character names have been changed in things like the dub or even the subtitles, because uh, I, I may have talked about it to you before, but a lot of things in Jojo are a lot of references to musical bands, songs, and albums, or... In part six, especially, we see a lot of characters who are named after fashion brands and designers. I think the best example is Jolene's stand is named Stone Free after the Jimi Hendrix song. 
but the dub and the subtitles have taken on the name of the part, Stone Ocean, and have named that the stand. So that's where that is coming from. So if you see anything in my notes like, oh, Stone Free, or like a little bit later, we have the stand that they are fighting uh, a later that is Jean Gallier's stand that is called Manhattan Transfer. But I think it's in the subtitles or the dub, it's called like Downtown Transfer, even though I don't think they've named it out loud yet. Things like that. Or for example, like you named it Cry Cry Dolls. And, but in the manga, it was called Gugu Dolls, named after the band. That's that's not anything I like. You have to worry about or even worry about getting wrong. It's it's there, and I'm not gonna like be like. Actually, it's called this. <laughs> well, it's actually but, really interesting because I love the Gugu Dolls, and in the subtitles, they called it QQ Doll. Is that because QQ looks like crying eyes? Really? Because when I was watching it with you know the japanese audio and the english subtitles they called it gg dolls and then when i watched it dubbed i didn't have any subtitles so that i find interesting because i I usually when they have a translated name they usually just keep to that name specifically so i'm surprised they didn't also keep that consistent in the subtitles too that's an interesting case but i yeah that's surprising to me I could be misremembering it, but I'm like, wow, that's so weird. Why are they called QQ dolls? But yeah, it's it's just really funny, especially if you watch like the sub and then, uh, you know, they're saying like, this is my stand, Stone Ocean in the subtitles. But like out loud in Japanese, you can hear them say stone free. <laughs> but that's all that's all like Western trademark stuff. And of course, a lot of those musical references add a lot can add a lot of you know, of that seven layer, delicious, extra meaning and things like, actually, if you really want to get this character, you should go check the lyrics of this song that was written 20 years ago to be able to break down the exact characteristics of this character, which I, I I am also like. So it's funny because I also incorporate music into my stories. Like Mm -hmm. I'll listen to a song a lot and be like, wow, if you interpret it this way, it'd be a really fun horror story. So sometimes I do that as well, but that's just an interesting uh, side note. I do have, if you ever want to check it out, one of the text channels on our little private Discord is, is that a JoJo reference? And I've been keeping track of all of the references so far. Oh, yeah, like for episode that. Like for episode three, uh, I shared the Manhattan transfer one, as well as uh, the name sakes for some of the characters that will see this episode. And so on. Like, for example, like Jolene's name, she gets from the Dolly Parton song, Jolene. Things like that. Yes, Kelsey picked up on that one. Like, one of the characters said, Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. And Kelsey's like, that's a Dolly Parton reference. Yeah. I do know, which I thought was so fun to see animated. Because in the manga, I just always took it as like, she's just saying her name over and over again and then screaming it. And then... To also be able to hear the... And of course, in different languages, they sing it differently. But they're just like, Jolene, 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 Jolene! And then they... Yeah, it's it's so fucking good. But we'll, we'll, jump, into, we'll jump into episode three. Which is a, a, a weird one in the sense that it's not a 
complete story and it will continue on in the next episode, but we do get to explore Green Dolphin Prison and some of the things going on there. Where in the first scene, we get to see Jolene talking about Stone Free and how Jolene talks about how in its thread form, it's not very powerful, but it can have a very long range and how it gets much stronger when gathered together. And that while it couldn't break the bars of the prison, that it's strong enough to crush a quarter in its palm. Oh, like this is still pretty much straight from the manga. I will say the one thing that I am really enjoying from the animation is a lot of things are very much more readable in the anime, where in the manga, a lot of the thread was just white. And I really like the way that the anime has decided to color this with just making the thread also this blue and giving it this otherworldly feeling as well. Yeah, I think that the color of the string was definitely very striking. And it stands out in the scene too, which is of course what you would want. And then we have, you know, Jolene is, you know, standing by the phones, waiting in line. And there's the blonde girl in front of her. And the blonde girl asks for some change because she's about to lose her call and asks for a dollar. And then Jolene gives the inmate a dollar. So Jolene gives the inmate a dollar. And then... She goes for the now open phone and Jolene gets shoved out of the way. And the prisoner tells her, well, you got to make a reservation next time. And it's probably going to take, you know, a month. And uh, Jolene's like, what the fuck, a month? And another prisoner actually comes up and pays for that spot, giving that prisoner some money. And one thing that they keep referencing that might seem a little bit weird, but the like the prisoner references it like that's just one of the seven wonders, huh? Which they mention a few times, which in the manga, maybe when you're taking it all in, it is a bit more overall where they keep talking about like the seven wonders of the prison, like what, like of these things that are like, wow, that's crazy. How does that happen? One of the seven wonders of the world. But it is mostly just things that while, yes, things should be going one way in the prison, like they said, like there should be enough food to go around for everybody. The payphone should be you just stand there and take it. There are a lot of these rules that go on inside the prison that aren't immediately known to everybody. Like they mentioned the Seven Wonders thing in the last episode when Jolene goes up to get breakfast and there's no food left anymore. Yet other people have double food. Referencing or kind of letting you us know that... If Jolene wants to get stuff done here, she's going to have to pay to be able to do it. Yeah, I was definitely taking that as a kind of like the prison's just kind of shitty for new people and you have to deal with it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And I I was totally with Jolene on that one. I'm like, there are at least five or six phones there. Like, you got to pay to use them. There's no way that these phones are operated 24-7 for 30 days out. Completely ridiculous. I think it's just a racket for people to make money reserving spots. Oh, it, it, it 100% is. 100%. So that happens, and Jolene's upset because she just wants to hear her mom's voice, and she talks about her mom a little bit. And then Gwes actually comes up to warn Jolene. And uh, at first, Jolene is like, get the fuck away from me. You tr- <laughs> you, try- you tried to shrink me down and kill me and get me caught. And Gwes is like, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, we could be friends. But Gwes tries to warn Jolene about how you shouldn't lend money or give money to other people and how if you borrow or lend things to other prisoners it can be very very dangerous and jolene's like come on it's just a dollar 
And Goyce is like, it's that just a dollar kind of attitude that is going to make rumors spread and make people think that you can get a, like that you'll just give other people money and that you're somebody that can be extorted. And we see another inmate who is getting abused by some other prisoners for, you know, probably lending people money. And then now down the line is getting beat up for their money. And then Gwess even notices and points out that the blonde girl has finished her call and gone to her room already. And she's not making her way back down to pay Jolene back. You know, this is where I thought of that rule that she was told on like her first day where it's like, you can do whatever you want in the prison, but don't lend stuff to other people. Yeah. I was like, that's probably more for the prisoner's benefit than it is for the guards. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, I'm sure like for the guards too, in case the prisoner try to be like, Hey guards, they borrowed money from me or they borrowed like, I don't know this thing from me and they will not give it back. And the guard can be like, sorry, but you shouldn't be doing that anyway. And the guards would probably be like, oh, you have money? Or like, oh, that person yeah. has money? Yeah. So I, I noticed a few, uh, a couple differences. Not really differences, actually. One thing in the dub that actually got me was when the blonde woman is trying to get Jolene's attention. She actually says like, hey, girl with the buns. Which <laughs> yeah. I thought was... <laughs> which I just grabbed my attention and I thought was so funny. And some differences that were in the manga, that in the manga... When the other inmate like buys out the spot at the phone in the manga, they give them a 20, but in the anime, they give them a 50. And this is a reference to how animation is a lot more expensive. Oh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what the reason for that change was, but I was just a little thing that I noticed. There's a little bit of lines that have been removed from Gwess talking to Jolene. Gwess actually talks about how, like, Jolene, you can even sleep on the bottom bunk. Uh, you know, like, I will, you know, I'll be your servant, I'll do whatever. Of course, like, little words have been, like, changed and things like that, but any reference of the bottom bunk has been removed because we had a small scene in the second episode that was actually added where we actually now see Jolene with the bottom bunk after defeating Gwess. So this may be a difference in the dub, but in... I did actually hear Gwess say, like, you can even have the bottom bunk. Oh, did she? Oh, maybe she did. Yeah, after she got defeated and was, like, pleading with Jolene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She did in the, the last episode. But in the in the manga, she doesn't even, like, she doesn't even reference the bottom bunk uh, until this point. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. And then other things, like, some of the the placing of, like, the extorted prisoner for some reason is, like, opposite of the the person like taking her money just like some little things like that have been changed but otherwise it's it's pretty on top of it but and that was just so profoundly sad yeah (laughs) you feel a lot of pity for this person yeah because i'm sure that they're in a spot where they don't really know what they're doing and they're they've been thrown into this situation you know and then guess is telling jolene like they'll use your body and mind if you don't have money and you're like, oh god, what has this person been through? <sighs> yeah. I mean, luckily it doesn't seem like it's been to that point yet because they're still taking money from her. But I definitely get that idea of, like, if you are weak-willed, then other people are going to be trying to take advantage of you. And they'll continue to take advantage of you. Yep. So we go to the next scene where they go to the reading room. We see the blonde girl there, you know, reading her book. And Jolene comes up. And asks her for the money. And Jolene's kind of like, hey, you know, uh, you know, about the money. Kind of, uh, you know. 
And the blonde girl is just like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it. You know, I remember. Uh, oh, I didn't write it down. But in the dub, she says something like, you know, I got it, you know, up in the old noggin. Yep. And then Jolene's like, no, come on. You said, like, you'd get it for me. And then the Bond girl just, like, yells in her face and then asks for more money. I know. That part took me, like, completely off guard because up to that point, the blonde girl seemed normal. Yeah. And then she just freaks the fuck out. Just to be, just to try to be as intimidating as possible and be, like, this total asshole. Yep. So Jolene walks away. And everybody kind of snickers, thinking that this girl got the best and better of Jolene. But we can actually see that Jolene crushed a quarter and put it into her drink. Yeah, like... Yeah. (laughs) Hold on, pause it right there. What the actual fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I, like, wouldn't that kill somebody? I, I have no fucking clue. Because I'm, I'm out here thinking, like, like, I hope she knows what she's doing <laughs> before instead of, like, hmm. Like, could you imagine? It's like, huh, now that I did that, they'll come running to the bathroom. And then instead she just, like, falls over dead. And it's like, uh, uh. <laughs> right. Like, I literally crushed this quarter into tiny little metal dust. Let's make this person ingest it. You're telling me. That ingesting it in a liquid didn't just rip open their intestines? I I have no idea. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I know the science behind it, but, like, I, I think it implies that, like, Jolene does, which is very convenient, but also very, like, oh my god. But, well, it it's yeah. certainly ironic. Like, oh, you, you like money so much. All right, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> you want your money? Come here. <laughs> But yeah, so she does that, and I guess Jolene knows what she's doing, because Jolene takes the bathroom, and then the blonde girl feels sick, or, I, I, I always assumed that, like, they had to shit out of nowhere, but now I'm realizing it's probably they have to throw up. I just made that realization as well. I'm like, why would that make you shit? I, I don't know, but the sounds make me think, like, you know, it's much more stomach sounds. It's like, yeah, Ooh. their stomach was gurgling. Yeah. Rather than them being like, oh no, you know what I mean? But I guess we don't really, like, now that the more I think about it, the the more I'm like, I'm kind of glad they didn't have those sounds. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Jolene takes the bathroom and she's like, please, you know, let me in for five, come on, even $10. And Jolene opens the door and it hits the girl. She's like, all right, $10 it is. And she takes that. And then... And that's just, and then Jolene kind of just walks around kind of, you know, holding the $10 bill as if to show, like, see, like, you can't fuck with me. I'll poison your drinks. <laughs> and then Jolene goes to up to the girl who we saw being extorted and is like, listen, go take the bathroom after her. It's up to you to get your money back. And then we see that Jolene also, I guess, poison <laughs> is the best word I can use, but also uh, spiked the other in the other asshole inmate drinks. So we at least get a, a slightly happier ending for the girl who is being abused in the prison system of hopefully if she has the resolve, she can get that money back and show that she's not to be messed with either. Yeah, a little unethical, but I guess less unethical than the other things that people do. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, before we move on to what Jolene sees before she goes to leave, I'm going to talk about some of the differences that we've seen in the in the manga and things like that. So, uh, I, for some reason, I, I were when in the manga when 
Jolene goes into the reading room. That blonde girl, she's reading Le Conte de Monte Cristo. And she still has the same lines of like, oh my god, have you read this this book? I've heard it's like a masterpiece. But in the anime, it's changed to a book called Artemis's Angels. And this is based on a real book about the history of ballet called Apollo's Angels. And we see another prisoner reading a book called The Queen of All Maladies. And that's based on a real book called The Emperor of All Maladies. I'm not 100% sure... I mean, other than the change is being for copyright reasons, and I don't know a lot about those books themselves, but it was just a difference that I have seen and I've, you know, heard people talk about. Other than that, it's in the manga and the anime, it is a lot clearer in the anime what Jolene did with the quarter. And especially where I was talking about how I'm really glad that the threads take on this, like, bluish color, in the manga... It's not, at least to me, it wasn't 100% clear what was going on. Of course, looking back after watching the episode, it's like, oh yeah, of course that's what's going on. But you just kind of see this thread above the mug and some powder and something that looks like a thread maybe, but it's not 100% clear, at least it wasn't to me, what was going on. I remember this being a part of the manga that I kind of just... Not skimmed, but kind of just... You know when you kind of just, like, experience a couple pages of a book and then just keep moving? Totally. Yeah. This was this was something that I kind of just, like, went through. And looking back, I appreciated a lot more. But it was something that I really didn't understand or think about when experiencing. For me, it was just much more of, like, a... Of seeing Gwes kind of just be a little bit more of a likable character. And coming back to help Jolene. That is something that we've seen with a lot of minor antagonists before. Especially in a lot of JoJo parts, a lot of the early antagonists see that a JoJo will face. Usually they end up switching sides and then helping the JoJo character of that part. Which actually some people were like a little sad that Gwes didn't become a bit more of a character later on. I guess it's a little slight spoilers. But we do see Gwes... A little later in the part, but she doesn't come become like a part of the crew that you know we see in a lot of like the intro and things like that. Yeah, I kind of like that character development because even in episode two, you'd see that there were like glimmers of Gwes being kind of a good person, but also being really antagonistic at points. Yeah. So I like to see that she was helping Jolene out because she really is like. The person introducing her to prison culture at this point. Yeah. And a little bit later, like, oh, like way farther in the part, actually, we'll be able to see Gwes still trying to help Jolene. And, you know, looking back at part six, I do really like Gwes as a character. And while I, I think you put it very well, where she was very antagonistic, but she is Jolene's kind of introduction here to the prison itself. And that's kind of true of the prison, too. You know, as much of it is antagonistic at points. It is also kind of nice in other ways. I will say too, also while we're here, and I'm going to talk about this over the next few episodes as well, but the anime has made me like the setting of Stone Ocean a lot more than I did in the manga. Where I think in the manga, a lot of the buildings and a lot of the rooms and things felt very samey. And it was... And it was a little bit hard to really understand the layout of what I was looking at. And seeing it in animation and watching the anime has made it so much easier to 
really understand the layout of places that they're going and the way that things are interconnected. And, uh, you know, looking at rooms and not feeling like, oh, they're all just concrete big rooms with barred windows. Yeah, I've gotten that sense, too. Like, the library especially, I was like, wow, this is a beautiful room. Yeah, it's it's nice. And, and while I liked, you know, rooms like that, I remember thinking that for some reason, I don't know why, but I remembered what's, you know, the scene that's about to happen with the child in the, the baseball uniform. I thought yes. it happened in front of Jolene's cell for some reason. And looking back, I was like, why did I think that? But I think I was just so confused by, like, where they were. And I think the other thing that the animation really has on its side, too, is the idea of time. And that it can play with how long it wants to, let's say, focus on a shot or a panel. Where you could have, they go from this day to the next day. And in the manga, it's just, we get, like, a panel of sun coming through the bars of the window. And if you don't think about it too hard, you might not think like, oh, it's the next day until like the characters actually talk about it. But you immediately get that sense of like, oh, it's the next day, just based on the timing and the way that the scenes change and how much time that they spend on each shot rather than just our brains being able to recognize, well, this panel is bigger, so I should, you know, think that this one is more intense, things like that. I think that that really helps here, especially now that we see Jolene going to leave the reading room. And uh, all of a sudden, we see this baseball just kind of down the hallway. And uh, then this just child (laughs) wearing a baseball uniform comes down the hallway to to get it. And Jolene does like a double take. And the child warns Jolene that she's going to have a visitor arrive sometime around noon tomorrow. And that she shouldn't go see them because it's extremely dangerous. And, like, not only putting herself in danger, but it's going to, like, put others in danger, too. And then the child disappears. And uh, the guard to open the door finally shows up. But Jolene's still freaking out about, like, this, like, where did this child come from? And the guard hits her to get away from the bars and then hits her again. Did you have any reaction to the, <laughs> to the, to the, this, this, like, little child in the baseball uniform? Yeah, you know, that, so the child creeps me the fuck out. Um <laughs> I didn't really feel creeped out by the child too much until the next scene, which I'm not going to get to yet. But for this scene, what really struck me was mostly the brutality of it. Yeah. Because up until now, the prison's kind of portrayed as, like, a nice place for the most part. Like, yeah, the people escorting you to the prison, the lawyers, the judges, all those people are cruel. But, like, as long as you follow the rules in the prison, it's kind of okay. At least that's the way that I understood it thus far. Seeing the guard, like, beat Jolene mercilessly just for having her hands on the bars is just kind of, like, cemented for me. That the prison guards here are just real assholes, you know, that are just looking for an excuse to beat people up. Yeah, that's and that's, that's really something that we're going to see a lot from this guard, especially. And they get some of their comeuppance a little bit. I'm trying to frame this in a way where I don't, where because I know things that will happen and some spoilers too. But the prison guard doesn't exactly get the easiest time after this, and I think by setting them up as an asshole, we don't feel as bad about it. <laughs> yep, that's true. But yeah, it is still very like annoying to see these guards be just fucking assholes. 
Yeah. I will say one, also another difference between this and the manga is this child who is going to become much more of a character. I'm going to be calling this child Emporio. That is his name. And while, you know, he doesn't get named until maybe an episode or two from now, his name is a reference to the fashion brand Emporio Armani as oh. his full name is Emporio Alnino. And the manga difference is that Emporio actually has on his baseball hat was the Cubs logo. And that's present through the whole manga. And I'm pretty sure one of the trailers for part six, he actually had the Cubs logo on his hat. And then it seems as if it's been removed from all the episodes. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So we now get the scene we've all been waiting for. So I'm going to go in, I, I I think previously I've gone in manga order, but I'm going to go in episode order of scenes this time, because I think that'll just make more sense. In the manga, the scene is, is a, a little bit later on, but in the episode, we get John Gallier's fat ass. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> Didn't know they were serving cake in prison. <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah. This this was in the manga too, where he has like a shower scene, and he he's. For, I I will say a lot of JoJo characters, especially the men, are very caked up a lot of the time. <laughs> I will say that is you know a lot of JoJo characters have lost some of their buff over time, but a lot of them are usually very caked up still. I mean, honestly, like, good for them. You know, a lot of <laughs> shows tend to cater to heteronormative male interests. Mm-hmm. So I've always been somebody where, like, I say, if you're going to show off, like, eye candy, you got to show off the whole spectrum of it. So JoJo up to part six has been very, has had a lot of male characters. And uh, I have given it. It, it hasn't had many instances where it's been like, uh-oh, the the girls are naked, uh, male fan service, wow. Or if there has been a little bit of that, there has been plenty of, of men wearing scantily clad armor <laughs> or being like buff and having their like bare ass cheeks out enough that I think it evens out. <laughs> And so many people have joked, like, ah, finally. Because JoJo has made me gay, parts one through five, and finally part six will restore my heterosexuality. <laughs> but then John Gallier is here, and he will not let it happen. <laughs> That's fantastic. But yeah, it is, oh my god, yeah. I am so glad to see this animated. It is, it, it's, the, it's, it's the moment we've all really been waiting for. But what's wrong with this shirt? His shirt? Well, what, when he was in the shower? Yeah, when he puts his shirt on, it's got, like, all these, like, saggy parts to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the manga, um, they color it differently to where his... Those aren't, like, saggy parts to it. It's, like, f- like flaps in the wind. I think they should have kept it. Here, I'm going to pull it up for you. It looks like, you know when you're trying to open, like, a pack of water bottles... And they all have, like, that plastic shrink wrap, and you try to open it with your finger, and it just creates, like, that, like, two-inch deep dimple into the plastic. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what his shirt looks like. 
So I actually haven't realized this till now, but a lot of John Gallier, uh, his his shirt and his fashion sense actually now I'm realizing it references his ability. Where I shared a I shared a, a picture of him, and this is how he was colored and displayed in the manga, where he actually had pinkish hair, and he you know he had these flaps all over him instead of these saggy parts and. Uh, I think that was his hair color was changed a little bit because in Jojo we have a, like a quite a few different char- like male characters that have long pink hair. It's even having like one in this part that's going to become a pretty main character. So I think that was changed just to be able to make them a little bit more recognizable. But I'm realizing that those flaps, like if you've ever been driving and you see like a big sign and th- uh, that sign has flaps in it like that, to be able to have a wind pass through it without fucking up the sign itself, because if not, it would be like this big sail. Right. I think that's what's going on with his shirt. <laughs> huh. Where he has those kind of sea moon crescent type holes through his shirt. But I, to, or almost that it almost gives like a scaly kind of appearance. I do yeah. wish they kind of kept that a little bit. Uh, Anthony, if you do click on the link, it'll show like the manga and anime difference of how he looked. Oh, yeah, here we go. Oh, and it's got his cake there. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the cover of one of them. Wow. Yeah. Oh, don't go too huh. far. There might be slight spoilers. Yes, I did get slight spoilers, but it's completely okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah, where he kind of does have those flaps, but... The way it is, it just makes it kind of look like his shirt is kind of melting. Yes. I was like, what is going on? It's probably more difficult to animate that or something. Eh, it, it might be. I mean, we've had characters like, I think of Fugo from Part 5, where he is also been called Swiss Cheese Boy by some people in the community because of his outfit. And I will share that outfit with you because his outfit just has looks like he got attacked by a giant <laughs> like hole puncher. Yeah. I mean, I have heard people try to write this off as this is supposed to be because he takes a lot of inspiration from strawberries, even in the manga actually being colored differently with a red outfit instead of green. And, uh, you know, those holes kind of supposed to be like where, like, seeds would be on, like, a strawberry. But that's the best explanation I've seen for him. But huh. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little off track. But for the John Gallier thing, I didn't actually realize that those were wind flaps until now. And that actually makes a little bit of sense in reference to his ability. But in the episode, you know, we see John Gallier, he is showering, and then he goes to get dressed and he accidentally the a $10 bill falls out of his jacket and as it is floating downwards he, he kind of is able to somehow you know magic blind person be able to move his shoe to be able to catch it and then as he's getting dressed one of the guards informs him that a prisoner will be arriving tomorrow and John Gallier pays the police officer for the information and then the police officer, I keep saying police officer, and then the guard points out that John Gallier's pants are on backwards. 
I thought that was pretty funny. He didn't even zip it up. Was it was it that much more was was you know what I couldn't actually remember because I ended up looking at the manga last. But in the manga, you know, the fly is also open. And I it's a lot more, I think, visible because like they just make his underwear like bright white. But good. I'm glad that it was in the anime and I just didn't even notice. It was a very um subtle detail because he did not have bright white underwear but they did like uh-huh. the guard pointed it out and they like framed it for like a solid second or two <laughs> in the manga too they also remove a part where Jangalier uses the wind to tell how many cards some in- inmates drop that are outside of the showers so oh. uh, like while the $10 bill is falling some inmates are playing cards and the wind blows them away and Jangalier is like ah oh, they only picked up 51 cards the fifty-two, the fifty-second card fell in one of their boots, and then they're like, "Wait, where'd the card go?" And it's like, "It's in your boot, you idiot!" And then he catches the ten-dollar bill. Sounds like somebody you would not want to invite to a party, honestly. Nope. Like, if anybody tried to get away with just like having to fart, this guy would single them out immediately. Immediately, he's just jealous because he can't make a silent fart because he's all ah. cheeked up. And with his uh, zipper unzipped back there, <laughs> he better trust his farts. Uh, well, <laughs> so this, <laughs> so <laughs> see, this one was a little bit later, and the only other difference really being, hey, a visitor is arriving tomorrow. In the manga, it is a visitor is arriving, like a visitor just arrived. So I'll point it out in the manga when we when that scene would have come up, but in the episode. We now get the scene where that same prison guard from yesterday is getting Jolene. She's in the cafeteria, and the guard bumps Jolene's now-wrapped fingers with the handcuffs. And the guard's like, oh, come on, I didn't hit you that hard. But even Jolene points out, like, well, you didn't have to fucking hit me twice. And uh, the guard tells her, you know, there's a visitor, and handcuffs Jolene, and brings them to the visitation room right outside of it, and tells them, you can handhold... But no exchanging of things, no getting naked, things like that. You can't speak in a foreign language. We can stop the conversation anytime we want. Things like that. Uh, wait here and I'll be right back. And the guard goes into the visitation room. And as Jolene is waiting, she puts out the guard's cigarette. And then she hears a voice coming from the garbage can. And a, a small hand comes out and grabs jolene's arm and is like i i warned you please don't go in you have to be careful yeah this is the point where that child really creeped me out and jolene is like no in case it's my mom i have to take that chance and the little boy is like okay just please take this as like a kind of good luck charm it'll protect you and he hands it to jolene and it's a human bone now was that a human bone because that looks like a pelvic bone but it looked really small yeah Yeah, it's like part of the pelvic bone. Okay. And it gets gets described by Jotaro, I think, a little bit later. It it, it gets sooner described in the manga. But a bit later on, Jotaro will recognize it as part of the female pelvic bone. And that it looks like it has been, like, slightly decomposed by acid. Okay. Huh. Yeah. And Jolene's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Rightly so. <laughs> and Jolene goes into the room, and it is not her mother there. And 
Of course he's fucking facing the wall to turn around dramatically. It is her father, Jotaro Kujo. So, two things struck me about this immediately. Yeah. One, the picture in the locket shows him wearing white. Is that right? Yeah. So I got confused because I'm like, wow, he looks kind of evil here. And the way that like they had kind of the music and sound effects, it was very kind of like muted and understated. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this actually her dad or is it somebody pretending to be her dad? Mm-hmm. And the second thing that struck me was that I can't tell where his hair ends and his hat begins. So if you ever explore or decide to explore jojo more than part six i think i gave it this in the context but jotaro is the protagonist of part three and that idea of not knowing where his hat ends and his hair begins is an issue from the very beginning (laughs) okay okay so at least it's consistent i mean in part three he wears all black i just shared a picture you can ignore the parts where it says part one and part two because he shows up very briefly in the opening of part one and near the very end of part two but that is his, that's his designs in parts three, four, five, and six. Okay. And in part three, he's wearing all black, so it's very hard to tell. And in parts four and five, he wears a kind of similar outfit, but because it's a white hat, you can start to see a difference, but they still try to keep it weird. At one point, he does actually get his hat taken off, and it's revealed that the back of the hat is just ripped up. Oh, okay. Why he keeps this style, no one knows. Or why all of his hats get ripped the same way. <laughs> I He just likes it. You know what? I think he just likes the breeze on the back of his head, but not on the front. And who can fault that? And that's why you also saw him in white, because up to this point, we have seen him wear white in parts four and five. Okay, that makes more sense. Which I I did think it interesting, though, you know, your reaction to, like, oh, who is this? That's not the guy we saw, of just, like, the <laughs> part six only kind of perspective. Yeah, because I'm somewhat used to media giving you insights to a character based on their clothing. So, like, in JoJo, like, what we've seen so far and what you've shared is that their clothing kind of correlates with aspects of their personality or their power. Mm-hmm. But I'm used to color coding kind of indicating a character's morality so i'm like oh yeah her dad wears white her dad's a good person this person wears purple which is kind of like a darker more mysterious color maybe that means that it's not really who he says he is or he has something that he's hiding you know Mm -hmm. i do actually like that idea a lot and i do think that it also plays into the character here too I think that Jotaro does have stuff here that he is hiding as well. And I think we're going to see that over the next few episodes. Where part three, he is very much this juvenile character who doesn't listen to anybody. And, you know, like he tells his mom to fuck off. And if, you know, he's known for beating the shit out of people. But, you know, because he's a Jojo, we all know that deep down he's good. And then in part four, he takes on a bit more of a mentor role. And part five, we only see him for like a very short scene. And then now we see him again here in part six. And I do think part six, especially from Jolene's perspective, where Jotaro has been very absent in her life. And, you know, she really doesn't know much about him. Him being this very mysterious figure that over time, you know, we haven't seen him in a long time. I think 
does add to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do, I do agree with that. I, that, that idea of like, maybe he's not to be fully trusted here. The only other difference I've really noticed from the manga is in the manga, it actually looks like Emporio is going to hand Jolene the baseball and then Jolene checks her hand and it's the bone. And it really is this like, what the fuck? But yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited for more Jotaro and, and how the rest of this goes. But <laughs> actually, then we get another anime scene where we take a scene that is sort of originally in chapter 75, which is way later in the part. But we get a short flashback of Jolene when she was 14. And it's kind of this like dreamlike flashback where she is sitting and she is handcuffed. And this pose is from one of the, it's a cover picture. I don't remember from what chapter, but it is, you know, she has like the star on her, on her face drawn on things like that. And that's why she looks so iconic. I think it's just because it was from a cover photo where they take that and you can hear Jolene's mother actually arguing with Jotaro about him, you know, leaving for Tokyo right as her daughter was arrested. And then at the same time, and this was something that I think killed the community too. We see Jolene, uh, you know, like we see somebody walking up that looks like dressed, that looks like they're dressed like Jotaro. And then she looks and it's just someone completely different. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was hilarious. That scene kind of confused me. Like I wasn't sure what was going on there. Yeah. It was to kind of give this idea of like, you know, Jolene has been this person that has acted out before, and, you know, despite all of that, she still couldn't get, like, her father's attention. Okay. I, it did feel a little bit silly to have somebody walk up in Jotaro's clothing, and it's like, no, that's not him. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But, otherwise, we then have the, in the manga, this is actually where the shower scene with John Gallier is. Okay. And we get introduced to him now. And then the guard says like, hey, a visitor just arrived. And that's when it comes back to Jolene there. And Jolene knocks out the guard. And she's like, all right, you're going to help me to escape. Jotaro's like, hold on, wait a minute. I got to drop some lore and some backstory. I need you to meet John Gallier, the thickest man in the world. And she shares a picture (laughs) with him. You know, he's a veteran sniper, he's blind, and he's the one who framed everything, because you're a Joe star. Now, what I really loved about this scene in particular, and what I thought was freaking hilarious, yeah, is that he explains the concept of a grudge as if it's something we've never heard of outside of the JoJo universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, he's like, sometimes there are things that happen, and these things get carried, and they're grudges <laughs> <laughs> when we influence people negatively they hold on to it <laughs> yeah oh yeah and yeah and then even Jotaro's like all right come on sit down there's too much to talk about and the you know he points out that this guy was a follower of dio you know the the big bad guy uh, i've kind of split these into two scenes because they start to give off a very different feeling where we notice, too, as they're talking, that the vent above them are a little bit suspicious. And I wrote down, the vents are sus, and they yes. seem kind of dark, and there's kind of a dripping from them. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if you noticed this, but the scene almost feels different for a moment. Where the music kind of kicks in, and the scene seems very brighter. Mm, I did not actually pick that up. 
So I'm going to give a slight spoiler that I don't think is going to give much away. But Go Cubs, if you are listening to this before we've done our next episode, which is that uh, you know episode four, stop listening because I want and go watch episode four and give me your reaction before you keep listening. So there is a second, other than John Gallier's stand, Manhattan transfer. There's a second stand also working here, and this stand has put them into a, a sort of dreamlike state where that that they think is reality. And that is the reason that things start to seem off. Why Jotaro seems suspicious of, like, a lit cigarette, because it wasn't there before. And why jo- why Jolene's handcuffs have disappeared. Things like that. Okay. So we're gonna, we're gonna see a bit more of that as it goes on. But for me, knowing that that happens, I thought it was very interesting that the anime... And I think if you rewatch it, you'll notice it, but all of a sudden it, like, shows Jolene for a second. And the scene just looks visually, like, slightly brighter. And it keeps that brightness to it. And I actually... so And in the manga, though... In the manga, I hated this. I was very confused by this whole idea of, like, a dream thing. Because there is no indicator that things have changed. There wasn't even a hint at the handcuffs. There was no dripping from the vents or anything like that. The only thing is that Jotaro notices that the cigarette was on the table is now lit. And I think in the anime, he notices that the cigarette brand is different than it normally is. And the, and in the manga also, there is no sitting down at the table. To continue that spoiler, we're going to see them wake up from this dream sitting at the table. So this indicates at some point while they were talking while sitting that they had fallen asleep. But they continued their conversation. And they're, they're both here. Like, it isn't just from Jolene or Jotaro's perspective. They are both, like, both of their brains are still together in this dream. Kind of Matrix-y style. I, I know it's it's weird, but it gets explained a little bit later. <laughs> And I, I do appreciate the anime for adding these differences, but the other only thing that I really wanted to talk about was in the anime, and I haven't seen anybody talk about this, but I realized it. I think there's an error in the animation. Because if they're trying oh. to indicate that that moment is where the dream starts, the cigarette is actually already lit before that happens. Yeah, I think you're right. Which was weird for a moment. It, it could be, you, you know, you could, people could have a di- different explanation. That like, no, it actually starts a minute, a second before that, but that's before they sit down. I find the sequence here a little bit confusing. I still, I still very much enjoy the stuff that is going to come from it, but it is, it is a little bit confusing even from a retrospective point of view. And it's yeah. probably one of the parts of Stone Ocean that I probably dislike the most. But that's okay. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's that crazy. The only other note that I have here that is on a positive note is in the dub, we have Matthew Mercer voicing Jodoro Kujo, The Return of the King. <laughs> For those who know, you know, he has voiced a lot of things. If you have ever played a video game, you've probably heard him in the background <laughs> playing like every NPC. But I also very much know him from Critical Role and being the DM there, which I might oh, have wow. talked about before too. But yeah. He's uh, he's very cool. A lot of the voice actors, though, on JoJo are really cool. We even talked about Kira Buckland last time, who is the voice of Jolene, and how Mickey was a very big fan of them. Yeah, look at that. He was in Overwatch as McCree, Fallout mm-hmm. 4 as McCready. Yeah, I think Fire McCree Emblem. is one of like the biggest things he's known for. So much so that they even added a line in Part 3 where he references like High Noon. Oh. <laughs> 
but I know a lot of other people know him very well from Critical Role, too. So, other than that, to kind of continue the scene, I know I talked a little bit ahead, but in the what I'm considering the next scene, something immediately seems off. The scene is now brighter, and if you didn't notice that at home, this is kind of the point where Jolene's handcuffs are gone, and she notices that. And there is that dripping from the vent. And there's even a point where that drip hits the floor, and as if the floor itself is almost like water, it ripples. And that happens for a split second. And I like that effect, and that that's been added. And we're actually going to see what that dripping is outside of the dream, but it's something that's going to help Jolene wake up. You know, Jotaro notices that the the cigarette, the brand is different, and then all of a sudden, Jolene is shot, and Jotaro stops time. Jotaro notices that Jolene had used her, that Stonefree had used its thread in a Kevlar-type way to make a little bit of a bulletproof vest to protect her from the sniper bullet. That part was super cool. That's one thing that I'm really going to like from Stonefree, where a lot of stands, I think especially people really like Jotaro's stand, which is Star Platinum, where in Part 3, in Part 3, a lot of the stands were named after tarot cards, and they took a lot of inspiration from those, and then they became music references, so Star Platinum is named after the tarot card, the star. But Jotaro, like, before he gained Time Stop, his power was pretty much, he punches really hard, really fast, and he's really precise. (laughs) which makes him kind of like the stand of all stands. And you'll see him, like a lot of people consider it like one of the most powerful stands. But that's one thing that I like, especially from, especially even comparing Jolene to a lot of other JoJo protagonists, is while she doesn't have maybe the most physically overpowering, powerful stand, she has a stand that is extremely versatile. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I really do love and the creative ways that she's going to continue to use it I think is something that really makes Jolene one of my favorite Jojos that that I can I could go on about for a while (laughs) and get lost about but that's just one of the creative ways that she uses it I actually have a question about that because you're talking about it as if she's choosing to use the stand in that way the way I kind of understood it is the stand acted to protect her kind of like the stand recognized that she's about to be shot and then stopped it no i i, I think you are 100 percent right you're you're totally right here right i do think that it is the stand working to protect the user we are going to see some instances though where jolene is the one who like uses it in a different creative way but even just seeing stone free act on its own and work creatively is also really cool i apologize for for making it sound like that but you are 100 percent right Oh, no, no, it's okay. I just wanted to see, because, like, you know, like, you're the expert on this. So I was just curious if the stands have autonomy or if they're just, like, a facet of that person's personality. But it sounds like it's kind of like they're both. Yeah, they they kind of are both. You know, there's always exceptions to the rules, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, oh, my God, my stand has a will of its own or something like that or things like that. But oh, and I also think it's interesting that her stand kind of makes her vulnerable. Like they show that when the strand gets cut, she bleeds. I thought that yeah. was fascinating. Yeah, Jolene's stand is a very weird case where, let's say, if I were to compare it to something like Star Platinum, Star Platinum is a stand that just kind of appears. And it's this ghost-like form. And of course, if you hurt the stand, it hurts the user. But instead of Stone Free just immediately taking this, it, it seems to be able to take that that ghost-like form, but it is the idea, too, that the thread that makes up Stone Free is Jolene's body. Mm -hmm. And we've also seen, too, where 
someone's body can be like part of their stand. Where, for example, we've seen somebody who their hair is their stand. And so if their like stand is attacked or destroyed, it destroys their hair or like messes up their hair, things like that. Or things like that where it is physically a part of them. So you can very much see that in the way that Stone Free, you know, affects Jolene. And, you know, you'll see that in, you know, if the stand breaks or something like that. Even if it's just a thread, it will hurt her because the thread is part of her body. But mm-hmm. we'll also see, too, that, you know, maybe she happened to dodge something because she had used so much thread that she had holes in her body. So it didn't hit anything, you know? Oh. Things like that. But, yeah, she seems to be able to do that at, at will, but it also affects her own body as well, which kind of makes her... Usually the rule is that, like, only stands can affect stands, but it almost makes Jolene's body be able to interact with stands as well, too, because mm-hmm. the threads are her body. It's it's a very weird and unique case, but that may come up, like, once or twice, but, yeah. And I... I think it's also fascinating that her strand is most vulnerable when it is overextended. Yeah, because then then you have that idea of that versatility, but at a cost, too. Exactly, yeah. That that is something that I, I really do like, of having that weakness as a character. Whether it be, you know, having a weakness as a character, whether it be something emotional or even just something physical like that, too. But, yeah, so Jolene's shot... <laughs> And then Jodoro <laughs> stops time, but just to see that, like, she's fine and grabs the bullet. <laughs> right. And then she flies back and hits the table. And then the, in, in the dub, I thought it was so funny because she's like, what the fuck? Did I just get shot? <laughs> yeah. And then we get to see the forbidden 3D key wind chime, which was the, the 3D little piece of junk floating through the hallway and Jotaro talks about how he probably you know John Gallier probably snuck a sniper rifle in through bribing but Jolene is just giving this attitude like she does not want to listen to her father and through some experimentation they realize that this thing is reacting to the air currents around them and then the guard wakes up and the guard starts to move closer to them and then Jotaro tries to move him out of the way and then uh, Jotaro and the guard get shot and the episode ends I was actually like, what the heck? What do you mean the episode's over? I know, because we went through this whole like story with the prison, and then it's like, alright, now we're getting into the good shit. And then the episode ends. There were actually a few differences in the manga here. Of course, like I talked about some of the differences between the dream here, but in the manga, Jotaro makes more of a deal about putting out the lit cigarette. Even And Jolene compares the cigarette smoke to the air currents, and they think for a moment that that could be helping him. Mm. Jolene shows Jotaro the bone here, but this is moved to the next episode. And uh, Jotaro also stops time again here, but he, he actually has a line a little bit before where he's like, I can stop time for like a, uh, a couple seconds, but the hard part is knowing when to stop time. And Jotaro actually stops time a second time, but he stops it like the second after him and the garter shot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh shit, that was too late. And they kind of just remove that. <laughs> and... Jotaro also says that he probably shot, that John Gallier probably shot then because he could probably tell that there are three people in the room, but he waited for two of them to move so that he could aim and shoot two of them at the same time. Yeah, I guess having to say the name of your stand's move when it comes <laughs> to stopping time kind of is a detriment. Yep. And and you'll, you'll also see too, like, and I think you've seen a little bit here, but people always joke about it. I always think of it in D&D terms where talking is a free action. But where Jotaro or 
you know, maybe Dio when he stops time. They will stop time and then talk for like a full minute through their thoughts, <laughs> even though they can only stop time for like two seconds or five or however long. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, something that I thought around this point was I was considering if the child was actually like Gallier's stand. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh no, like, is Jolene going to meet Gallier? Like, is that who her visitor is? And then I saw that it was her dad, and her dad is trying to protect and inform her. So I'm like, what if that ghost child that nobody else can see, which follows the stand rules, is actually, like, Gallier trying to influence her? It could be. There's there's a lot of, like mysteries going on here and i and i do hope you continue with the next like episode or two just to kind of see how this goes because while the the dreamlike thing is a little bit confusing to me it is still it's still worth watching and it's still satisfying and i think the anime while there are like a couple hiccups here and there it makes it a lot more readable like i've talked about before compared to the manga where the order of events utilizing timing and color and uh, like movement makes it so much easier to follow. Yeah, I think I definitely will keep watching this series because I think it's enjoyable and I'm kind of hooked on the storyline now. <laughs> and just the idea that characters have so much personality is really enjoyable to me. Mm. Like, you never see a character that's just kind of like, oh, here's this person, you know, if they're enough to be like a plot point they're really putting a lot of effort into that person, which I think is just a lot of fun. In episode two, when Quest prepared that like rat suit for Jolene, and then you actually see tiny Jolene in the rat suit. I thought that was so (laughs) funny. (laughs) No, it is really funny. No, it's, it's, it's really, really funny. And people like to joke about that too. And and I still see pictures of like rat Jolene, uh, like all over the place. And how like, oh my god, it was really cute, kind of of that idea. <laughs> it's just a very memeable show. I'm oh my see yeah. why. Yeah. You could uh, there's like the I think it's become a, a well known idea that you can take go through JoJo and find one meme, at least one meme from every single episode. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of part six memes that are very early from part six that we're going to see through the show. And I will point them out when they come up. One of them, I won't fully say the spoiler, but when they wake up from the dream, they might look a little bit weird. You can bet that was a meme. <laughs> awesome. To kind of segue, you talked about how even the smaller characters too, that carry a lot of personality, they do take their time to be able to really get to know them. And I think that's something that you're going to see a lot from... Jojo, where a lot of them are, it, it, it is definitely at its core, like a kind of shonen anime or manga, where the protagonist is fighting a lot of people. So that includes a lot of minor antagonists. And in all of the episodes so far, I've been, I've had a surprise for our guest. And a lot of them have been quizzes. And this episode is no different. So we're <laughs> going to take this BuzzFeed quiz. That is, which minor villain from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure are you? Oh, perfect. 
So I have, I've done this before where I save a question and then I end up reading all of the answers. <laughs> but instead of doing that, I'll read the question and then we'll just say what our individual answers are out loud. And I will also put the quiz in the description of this episode. Make sure you guys definitely take it and then let us know what you get. Share a picture. You can tag us on Twitter or Instagram at Team Cast Productions. I want to know what you guys get. Let me know. So the first question is, what is your favorite hobby out of the following? <laughs> so mine is definitely you can put me down for reading, playing video games, or doing cosplay. And that is specifically playing video games. I want to give a shout out to being emo. <laughs> as well as the hobby committing crimes, parentheses, haha, just kidding. But I think I'm going to have to go with eating. Which of these images frightens you the most? I'm going to pick the image that has all of the skulls just placed into the wall. Yeah, it looks like, like a catacombs kind of thing. Yeah. No, they got me dead. Not the picture of just like a dead like smartphone. <laughs> but in a car, no less. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm going to go with the dead, the dead iPhone. Although the one that is kind of confusing me here, because there's some like a burning house or somebody wrapped in rope or like a picture of a rat. But the one that gets me is the fence that has different signs that says, don't give up. You are not alone. You matter. It's like, this frightens me. Do you think it's that thing where it's like actually saying, don't you are you give up, not alone matter? Yeah, I do think so. It has to be. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's scary. It scares me because I think the signs are being sarcastic. <laughs> Which music genre do you prefer? So, this might be a surprise, but put me down for pop music. Mmm. I think I'm going to go with indie music. I was, I was struggling between that and hip-hop, surprisingly. But I'm going to go indie. Oh, this next question. Truly wonderful. Hey, you want to read it? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Let's say you must face a powerful individual who poses themselves as an obstacle... To prevent you from achieving your goal, how would you defeat them? I I need some deliberation time on this one. Yeah, sure. You know what? I'm going to share these with the audience. I use my time stalling to think of how I'm going to attack them. Spend some time strategizing first. Make what I like to call a tactical retreat, and it just shows a picture of a guy running away. <laughs> Disguise myself among the individual's peers, striving to infiltrate the group and destroy them from within. It just has a suspicious picture of a guy on an accordion looking all suspicious. <laughs> Attack the individual from a distance. Hide from my opponent until given the opportunity to strike. An impulsive attack. Or try to predict my opponent's movements in battle. You know what? I'm going to go with the disguise myself among their peers. Infiltrate and destroy from within. Mm, knowing me, I was thinking hide from my opponent until given the opportunity to strike. But knowing me, I think I'm going to... I use my time stalling to think of how I'm going to attack them. Now, the reason I didn't pick that option is because I feel like your opponent may also be able to capitalize on that time. Oh, you're right. You know what? I'm gonna, you know what? I will hide from my opponent. Okay. I, hiding is a good option, I think. I'm going to camp and then wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which of these is your favorite color? I like that they haven't just like listed the colors or anything like that. They've given all of these like cool gradients and textures. Yes. Neon lights. And then yellow is just yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with purple. You know, I'm going to go with blue. What's your favorite movie genre? Horror. That one was easy. I didn't know music was a movie. 
movie genre. I guess I'll go animation. Do they mean like musical, maybe? Maybe. Uh Do you ever feel like there is more than one voice inside your head? Oh. All the time. Honestly, I find it hard getting it to shut up. I wish. Then at least I'd always have someone to talk to. Nope. Sometimes it feels like it, but I think it's just my conscience. My mind's usually quite blank. Or, of course not. Now, special shout out to the stock photo that they used for the of course not option. Hmm. Because it's little plastic figures mining peanuts. Yeah, which makes me think they're trying to make a, like a pun on, like, of course nut. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to go with sometimes it feels like it, but I think it's just my conscience. Shout out to that one, because it's just a picture of a sea turtle. <laughs> and then I'm going to go with the one that my mind's usually quite blank, which is just a stock photo of a rat. Specifically, eating something. Yes. What would you do if you were interrogated to give away valuable information to an enemy? Wow, I really love these options. Try to break free with sheer strength and face my captors head on. Probably end up cracking pretty easily, I just can't take the pressure. Attempt to use the objects surrounding me to break free. Just stay quiet and wait for them to give up. It's the other way around, you see. I am their captor and they are my hostages. Break out and run as far as my legs can take me. Spit insults at them. Give up the information and beg for mercy. I don't know who these dudes are. I don't want to die. <laughs> it's just this like scared picture of like a small dog. Now, I feel like it's missing my personal choice, which would be feed them false information. Ooh, that's pretty good. So I don't know. what Which one do you think would be closest to that? Closest to that, I would say probably spit insults at them. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that one. I like the picture of the laughing pony. Yeah, I'm going to go with it's the other way around, you see. I am their captor, they are my hostages. <laughs> Perfect. Which of these do you value most in your life? <sighs> Nothing. I'm going to say family, but mm-hmm. I also count my friends in that. Like, it's tough to pick between friendship and family, so my friends it. are my family. I will also say, I was thinking Minecraft too, but I'm going to go friendship. Oh, what is your greatest weakness? Sunlight. <laughs> <sighs> For me, I'm going to say fear of failure. Yeah, probably that one too for me. Is the glass half empty or half full? There's a lot of answers for this one. (laughs) These are some pretty great answers for this question. I like that. It's half empty and the guy just staring out the window. So, at the risk of being pretentious, I think that the optimal answer for this question is... It depends on what the most recent action involving the glass was. Because you see, if you were just drinking from the glass, then it's half empty because you drank half of what's there. But if you were filling the glass, then it's half full because you didn't finish filling it yet. I'm going to say it's half air, half water, because technically <laughs> it is full of something. I'll pick the depends on whether the glass was actually full or empty, I suppose. Which statement best describes your personality? the option for i enjoy the suffering of others and i like getting away with things i shouldn't get away with is really funny it is because it just has this guy in like this tuxedo wow the i'm polite and eccentric most people consider me to be trustworthy and funny option i just came here to have a good time (laughs) yeah 
Now, how how to pick a, like a good one without sounding egotistical? I think that the I like things simple and cozy is a pretty good choice. I'm gonna say I'm a confident and cheerful person most of the time. I picked the polite and eccentric one because I'm really fucking weird. All right, who'd you get? I got vinegar dopio. Oh boy. Congratulations, Dopio. Dopio. You're Dopio. You're easily shaken and polite, yet loyal to your friends and superiors. You're an almost obsessive user of your phone and could stand to look up from that thing every once in a while. Oh, fantastic. He's a very, very close ally of the antagonist from Part 5. Oh. Very, very close. But yeah, yeah, he's great. He fights. He fights another person who can uh, manipulate the iron, uh, or just manipulates iron. And a lot of the time, he manipulates the iron in people's blood. I was just thinking of that. Like that's exactly where you should go with that power. To the point where, like, scissors or like razors start to appear like under his skin and pop out. Oh Jesus! Yeah, it's it's a very gruesome battle. I mean, the the stand is fucking cool because the stand that Dopio is fighting against is called Metallica. <laughs> of course, then you have the joke that just Dopio has so much fucking iron in him. It's ridiculous. Because he, they just make so much shit. And he f- survives the battle. I got Akira Otoshi. You are manipulative and intelligent. You care a lot about your craft and someday hope to become hope to become well-known as an artist. And he is a electric guitar player. Oh, that's cool. He has a stand that controls electricity. He's from part four. Oh, that's sick. But yeah, Dopio kind of borrows his ability from the part five antagonist where he uses the part fives uh, ability well two abilities one is called king crimson named after the band and the secondary ability is called epitaph which is named after the song and he mostly uses epitaph which allows him to see 10 seconds into the future oh yeah there's your minor antagonist well that was fun yeah i do think that uh because I don't, I don't think JoJo is for everybody. I used to very much be that person that tried to recommend it to everybody. And while I don't think it's for everybody, I do think that you would enjoy the other parts. I think that you kind of have to, like, take pleasure in things being a little bit absurd. Oh, yeah. 100%. I think that, you, that JoJo really exemplifies that. And you really need to just kind of let the crazy shit happen. And appreciation for, like, real characters, too, who, like, have a shtick. Mm-hmm. It's it's campy, but it's really good. Yeah, as as the parts go on, I think that the characters get not necessarily better because I like a lot of the characters in the early parts, but I think some of the early characters, especially more of the side characters, can be a little bit one notish, especially the female characters. And mm-hmm. now that we're at part six, and we we really get a lot of very strong characters. Not every minor antagonist is necessarily iconic. Although there are some very good ones, I do think that you know a lot of the protagonists and a lot of the ensemble, especially on the protagonist side, are really going to get a lot of light on them and are going to be really awesome. And I think that a lot of people are going to like them. Nice. One thing I wanted to mention before we end the episode was that John Gallier's name is a reference to the British fashion designer John Galliano. And uh, yeah, just, you know, we're going to continue to see that a lot. I really do find the references for names very funny. And I've talked about it before where they started off also being their own music references, where some characters having last names that are like almost literally the names like Zeppelin, as in Led Zeppelin, or a character literally being named Ario Speedwagon. 
<laughs> things like that. And of course, a lot of those are very much older references because JoJo has been running for about 35 years now. And this part was airing in, two, or the manga was coming out in 2001. And it's set in 2011. And now the animation is coming out in 2021. Wow. I, I do think my favorite naming scheme for characters has been part five, which takes place in Italy. And a lot of the characters are just named after Italian words for food. I mean, I think you can see that in vinegar dopio. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, vinegar. Ugh. I think some some the words that people recognize would be like uh, pesci, meaning fish, or prosciutto, of course, being the meat. Things mm-hmm. like that, or carne, just being straight up the word meat. And one thing I think I should also explore too is a lot of characters because in part five a lot of those characters were very inspired by their foods and not only just visually but also the history behind those foods things like that and one thing that i'm already kind of seeing is john galliano at least the way that he looks in his longer hair and kind of handsome as handsome ish face is and and like braided hair is I can see where the inspiration visually for John Gallier came from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious in the way where a lot of the time, you know, musical references or even food references like that, sometimes even the history of a band or a song can very much play into a character or even their abilities and things like that. And I, I, I should look a lot more into those fashion names and see how they have really impacted and inspired things too. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And I guess it's, a good way to get inspired to create really interesting characters, but it's also interesting in that it gives fans something deeper to look into. Yeah. No, yeah, Araki just wears his favorite things on his sleeve, and sometimes it it does make it like these seven-layer things of like, oh my god, this is crazy. But then it also makes it like there's a minor antagonist in part six we're going to see later, and their backstory... Have you ever seen or read the 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 book slash movie Holes? No. The ones with Shia, the one with Shia LaBeouf. It, the the minor character's backstory is just that movie. Huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it's so weird and but it 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 works still and it and because everything has been so fucking bizarre. Yeah, it's it's amazing and I and I I hope you'll be along for the ride. If not, we'll we'll be here and we'll still be analyzing and breaking it all down nice sounds good no so far i'm definitely intrigued and looking to continue it kelsey is planning on doing this pod herself and i'll try and watch those episodes with her cool no i'm really excited for for you guys and i i think kelsey i'll be having on for episode six perfect and i would of course love to have you guys on again while there are only 12 episodes out now there are definitely going to be more out probably in like a couple months but yeah i'm excited well, I had so much fun today. Thank you so much for inviting me. So as we wrap up, is there is there any way is there anywhere the people at home can find you? Yes. I write horror stories on Reddit. Look for Dusty Bronco on Reddit and you'll find my work there. Alright. And I'll, I'll of course also have a link to Anthony's stuff down in the description as well. You can also find Anthony as a member of the Gaming Coop podcast where we talk about video games that we really enjoy. And also some of our other things as well at Team Chaos Productions. But thank you guys so much for listening with us. 
to be continued, and I will see you guys next week. Goodbye! Overheaven Podcast is a part of Team Chaos Productions. Find us on Twitter at Overheaven Pod or at Team Chaos Pods. Or we're also on Instagram at Team Chaos Productions. See you again soon.